Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a special show dedicated to the trucking industry, specifically at the confluence of recruiting, retention, and compliance. In the fourth year as the host of this show, I bring over two decades of industry experience, both on the carrier side as well as the vendor side. And each week I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insight to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges. I always appreciate your feedback, good or bad. Don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on your preferred platform. I'd also like to thank and highlight the show's valuable sponsors. Their dedication and commitment to the industry is greatly appreciated. This week, I'm honored to be joined by a great industry friend and safety leader who truly knows the meaning of serving, as he spent over 34 years at his current company, in addition to his ongoing role as mayor of the city of Claremont, North Carolina, Sean Brown, VP of Safety at Cargo Transporters. Mr. Mayor, great to have you on Taking the High Road. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Jeremy. And, I, and I'm only 48 years old. So. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I've mentioned you've been with Cargo Transporters for over 30 years. I'd love to hear your story. What got you into the industry? And more importantly, what's kept you here for so long? I'll, I'll ask you you know, to share a bit about Cargo Transporters, who's always been active and engaged in the industry we serve. Uh, I'd love to hear what it is about safety that keeps you motivated. And then uh, perhaps we could talk a little bit about our joint time serving on Atri's Research Advisory Committee. Uh, that was a great experience. Yes. And then um, perhaps you can share a bit about your mayorship. You know, that's certainly unique and, and likely brings an interesting dynamic to leadership that's probably transferable, you know, between trucking and running a small town. And then lastly, we'll answer a question from a listener during our Deeper Dive segment. Does that work for you? Sounds good to me. All right. Well, as you probably know, the custom is I uh, generally start off with a, a book recommendation that you might have for the audience. Is there anything recent that you've read or something that was impactful to you that you'd like to share? And, and I'm going to throw you a curve on that one. I've got to admit, I'm not a huge book reader. However, I'm a huge news junkie. I, I read I read every day. It's news. Uh, news and current events is my jam. So so yeah. anything of that nature, I'm into. Any any particular site or, or, I mean, like transport topics comes every week. I'm sure that's something that you thumb through. Any other, you know, Freight Waves has a great uh, content daily on a daily basis. Yep. Uh, anything like that? that uh, and that's just trucking, obviously. I'm talking anything in general. Exactly. All of the above in trucking and then anything you could probably think of from the outside world news and U.S. news, economy. Um, I'm not the smartest out there by any means, but I try to get as much info as I can to uh, at least be able to seem like I am. Well, you know, the glasses help, right? I know it does. I know. As, <laughs> as I always say, it gives the illusion of intelligence. And, the and then, by the way, yeah, exactly. Well, and then have some books behind you. That also kind of gives that illusion. True. Um, exactly. Let's let's go back, uh, you know, to the very beginning. And I'm not saying so far back, like when the earth was a molten mass, <laughs> but I'm just saying like more recent history, you know, how did, who is Sean Brown? You know, where was Sean Brown? Where did his path lead and how did his path lead to uh, cargo transporters? Well, I mean, literally I've grown up around the company. Uh, my granddad uh, was one of the founders, uh, Jack Brown, along with members of the Forrest Pope family, started uh, what was a, a garage and truck rental and leasing business back in the 60s, the mid 60s. And so I've literally grown up around this company and all the iterations of it over the years, all my life. I, I can remember coming to work with my dad and granddad uh, back, you know, in the 80s when I was a, a, a single digit, you know, nine, 10 year old. Uh, and I've been working here um, since I was, say, 12, um, you know, doing things around. I, I've done everything here from 
mowing the yard, cleaning toilets, cleaning the shop, washing trucks. Um, that's what I did when I was a, when I was a kid. Um, and then as I got older and was able to move into um, operations, I, I started out working at night. Uh, worked um, a 12-hour shift at night doing what was the beginning of our night operations staff. And that was in the mid-90s. <clears throat> Eventually was able to take a position uh, daytime, which was very welcome to me, uh, to go into dispatch, a fleet leader role. And I've, I've morphed into, as an operations manager, managing um, the fleet leaders, uh, customer service, the, the support staff, which is our 24-7 staff that we have covering all the time. Um, and then eventually in 2013, uh, was promoted to vice president of safety and recruiting, uh, which has now morphed into just safety. But, um, I've done every job in cargo transporters except for sales. And I have no desire for that. <laughs> well, first of all, there are always seems this, this commonality. There's two ways that people get into the industry. It's either there's family and that's sort of the natural path. And in an interest, and then there's the stumbled into it and it, and realized how great it was if you just gave it a chance. Yeah, and so yeah, and I love that. I, I absolutely love that. You know, and I and I mentioned uh, that cargo transporters has been a, a leading carrier in the industry. You know, very active and engaged uh, for as long as I've been around, and, and yeah. certainly committed to safety and compliance. Maybe for those who aren't familiar with cargo transporters, can you share a little about the company? Uh, you know, what type of freight hauls operates and so on. Yep. We are a, a dry van carrier, 53-foot dry vans running all 48 contingent states. Um, car, the cargo transporters division was began in 1982 after deregulation. Uh, prior to that, as I mentioned, we were a truck rental and leasing business as Catawba Rental Company uh, and, a, and a shop, you know, a, a garage for trucks. But the cargo transporters division began in 1982 and started out with, you know, 510 trucks and is, is 500 trucks today. That was before you were born. No, I was born in 75. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I was seven so, years old. <laughs> no, thanks for making me feel old. I just celebrated <laughs> a 50, uh, 50th birthday recently. So, Congratulations. Um, thanks. I, uh, you know, as a, as a certified director of safety, you know, that's a credential that I know is, uh, is, is highly sought after, certainly for leaders in, in safety and compliance. Your area of expertise is, is around keeping cargo transporters, drivers, and the motoring public safe. Uh, why is that a, a passion for you, and, and how has that maybe changed or evolved in the in the past decade or so, especially as we continue to see uh, increasing nuclear verdicts and settlements? Well, I got to admit, like I said earlier, I, my, my whole root of my background was in operations from the mid-90s all the way until uh, 2013 when I moved into to this role. Um, I, I, I really loved operations. That was my bread and butter. I, I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't know... Um, how much more I would enjoy this side of things, the safety side especially, uh, until I got into it. And I'm very thankful that I moved into this side because as much as I enjoyed operations, um, I'll tell another little secret. I don't want to go back. So uh, uh, I enjoy where I'm at. I enjoy uh, learning and, and and meeting people, just like you mentioned earlier, as, we, as we've met and as thousands of other people that we've met along the years. And there's no secrets in safety that that will – You'll hear many people say that. There's no secrets in safety. We want our drivers safe. We want the motor in public safe. And that doesn't come easy, and it doesn't come naturally. We have to work on it. Um, and, you know, being a certified director of safety through NAPME is a great certification. I, I would I would uh, recommend it to anyone in the industry. Um, 
not only am I certified, but our whole staff, my, my three other staff members in the safety department are also CDS. So my whole staff, all four of us, are certified directors of safety. So we, we're proud of that. Um, that by no means makes us experts. We're learning every day, but it's a good base knowledge and a good route to, to begin your your uh, exploration. Yeah, and I think it, it, and it, and it tells the story that, that you are committed to safety and compliance. And um, that's one of the things you, you talked about, how you know everyone is all aligned in the industry in terms of you know, wanting to keep the motoring public and their drivers safe. And that is unique, I think, because at the end of the day, you're competing with so many of these other companies, yet at the same time, the industry is special that when we go to events, different, you know, especially safety and compliance related events, everyone there, although they are probably, you know, in other scenarios might be staring daggers at each other, they're actually coming together to help because at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We all want our drivers to come home safely and we want everyone to be able to go home and, and, and live a prosperous life. Correct. And, and, and like I said, there's no animosity. There's no secrets. I, I truly believe there's no secrets in safety. We share everything. We all need drivers. We all want drivers. We all need freight. Um, and, and we're all going to get it in our own individual ways. Um, but when it comes to safety, that's like the, the Switzerland of the trucking industry. <laughs> Excellent point. I think if you're not going to coin that or trademark that, I, I might. I think that's I'm a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both served a couple stents on Atchery's Research Advisory Committee. Uh, I really enjoyed that experience. And you actually were the, the chairman of the group our second term. Can yes. you share about your experience on the rack and your thoughts on the value of the work Atchery does for the industry? I, I absolutely loved the the four years that I spent on there. The first two years as a member, just like you, and then the, the last two years I was the chairman. That that was one of the greatest ex industry experiences I've ever had. The, the the people we met, the people I still uh, maintain contact with, and and the ones that will serve it in the future. It, it's just it, it amazed me to sit around those tables, folks like you, the the folks from academia, um, state government. Uh, industry, everybody coming together. I, for one, I realized how much I need to learn, and I took a lot away. And as I told Rebecca Brewster, I think I took away more from the rack than maybe what I got from it in some ways. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying I got a lot from it in a positive way. Um, gave a lot as well, just just like you and everyone else. We, we love those discussions. Um, there is no other um, organization like that in our industry that is truly independent, working for the for the good of the industry in a very neutral and and wide encompassing way as far as the people in the room. Yeah, to totally agree. What a great experience, and I encourage anybody who hasn't uh, had the the luxury privilege to participate to put your name in the in the in the ring and and see if uh, you can get selected in an upcoming uh, term. It's it's a great experience. Exactly. And I'm curious. I, I would love, I hated to come off of it, uh, but of course we had to, because it's yeah. but I, I told uh, some of the folks from there, I was just going to go online and put my name back in the hat again, see if we can get back on. <laughs> put, a, put a mustache, right? Yeah. Put, get a, a two-pay or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is there, was there any particular initiatives that, uh, that actually researched and reported on that you were maybe most proud of or excited about by chance? Anything that you were involved with? Yeah, I mean, every year, as you know, we, we all bring uh, recommended topics to the table and the group talks about 20 or 30 of them, however it is. And we have to hard job and narrowing it down to about five or six. Um, all four years that I was a part of it, I brought topics. 
Um, and none of them ever made it to the final uh, five, the, the, the top five to actually get researched. But my final year, um, I brought to the group the predatory towing uh, study proposal. And, and I finally got one through. So, uh, and, and I really believed in that. That was something we had dealt with here as far as some, some instances that we recognize that as an industry. We're being abused as a trucking industry. And I brought that <clears throat> on behalf of our company, of course. And I'm glad that our group took it up because when I said it in the room, other people's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're dealing with that too. We've got this. So, so I'm pretty proud of the predatory towing as far as bringing that to the group and the group supporting the idea to actually research it, which came out uh, recently, a few weeks ago. Yeah, exact, g- uh, good point. Late 2023. I'll share it in the uh, in the notes uh, so anybody can access that online because that yep. uh, that report yeah is is a recent one. So yeah, that's a cool thing to be uh, uh, to contribute to. Now okay. I do want to switch gears a little bit here, Mr. Mayor. How did you become the mayor of Claremont, North Carolina? Tell, let's talk about that. That's interesting. Well, Claremont is my home. That's where our company's based. I live literally two minutes from my office where I'm sitting now. I can be home in two minutes. Um, I've grown up around it. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was a volunteer with the city, like helping with Christmas parade, uh, fall festivals, just organizing events. And at about the same time that I got a little bug to maybe step up, step it up a notch, uh, I had people come to me in the community and said, hey, why don't you run for city council? Why don't you do that? So essentially in 2007, I filed at the Board of Elections, uh, paid my $5, and got on the ballot in a contested election for city council. Um, not because I was unhappy with the group that's there, it's just because I wanted to be a part of it. So I lost by seven votes. No, eight votes. I lost by eight votes in 2007. So there are four-year terms, but there's an election every two years because they're staggered. So in 2009, I ran again and thankfully won a seat on council very handily at that time. So... I was a city councilman from 2009 to 2013, served that four-year term. And then in 2013, I ran for mayor when the previous mayor decided not to run. And I've been mayor ever since 2013. I've gone through, uh, let's see, the 13, the 17, and the 21 elections um, and currently serving my um, uh, fourth term. Uh, or I mean, I'm sorry, third term as mayor. That is so cool. And, uh, and, and wow, I think it's an inspiration for anybody listening saying, that's how you do it. Like that's if you want to, if that's something you really care about. And it's not you're not in this because you are a politician. You're in this because you care about your your city and you want to be a part of making things better. That's my assumption anyway. You're 100 percent correct. And on the politics, I'm not a politician, period. I'm an elected official. Politician has a bad connotation. <laughs> exactly. But, but yeah, seriously, it does. Um, it's not about the money. It, it <laughs> uh, the money I get, the stopping that, that it is paid to a councilman or the mayor. It's not even enough to pay my cell phone bill for a year. So <laughs> it's definitely not about money. Um, you give a lot of time, but it's it's rewarding. It's it's rewarding. It's worth it, and I and I love it. It's uh, nobody forces me to run. Uh, I freely go down and file to run. Now, obviously, you know, I, 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 when this term is up, I'll be fifty years old in two years from that, or in twenty five when uh, when this term's up, I'll be fifty years old, and I will have been on. A, an elected official for 16 years at that time. Um, I'm not, you, you know, I, I still got more in me, but I've got way more behind me than I do in front of me. Let's say that. That's fair. And that, that's fair. Qu- quick question. Uh, curious, how long was the mayor that you replaced? Uh, how long was, was he or she mayor of Claremont? Uh, 
he had actually just served a four-year term. He served one term, but prior to that, the mayor, um, I had served 12 years, like, like I'm in right now. I'm in my uh, 10th year. Um, and, and coincidentally, that former mayor used to work for us here at Cargo Transporters as director of recruiting. <laughs> so Cargo Transporters has kind of a heritage of generating yeah. mayors as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So uh, I'm just curious, you know, does being a mayor of a town complement your work as VP of safety and just as a leader uh, at Cargo Transporters and, and vice versa? It's about people. You can take the word people relations and and apply that to any industry, any job, any situation. So it, it's all about working with people. If you can work with people as a mayor, as a as a safety, a vice president of safety, you can do um, it, it's people skills. We always say we can teach trucking to somebody. We just need somebody to have the aptitude and the people skills to come in and into the industry. We'll teach them the industry. Um but it's about working with people and and how to get what you need from people and how people can get what they need from you in, in a positive way, um, you know, in positive ways. Yeah. So kind of bottom line is the trucking industry is, is I think we say a lot of times, this is about, it's about people. It's about working with people, whether you're leveraging technology and this kind of, you know, to, to, to maybe improve processes, streamline efficiency, et cetera. It still boils down to people working with people. In my role as a VP of safety and in a lot of other people's roles, I don't make any money for this company. I mean, you know, I, I don't generate revenue. Those drivers and those trucks that they're driving on the road, that's what generates the revenue. It's my job to keep from losing anything out the back door <laughs> and, and to retain because, you know, um, I don't generate the revenue. Those those hardworking drivers and, and the equipment that they drive, that's what's generating the revenue. Right. You can help from a, uh, not just a, you know, preventing anything from going out the back door, right? You know, obviously significant, you know, lawsuits, et cetera, but also reputation. I think, you know, having a really good, uh, safety reputation is, is valuable, both from a, from a customer standpoint and just, you know, drivers would prefer to work for a company that they know has a good reputation. They're not, you don't have a bullseye on the side of your trailer every time you're going down the highway. Correct. And, and, and we hear that from people. And, and, you know, I'm sure from a recruiting, I'm not involved directly in recruiting anymore, but in trucking, we're all involved in recruiting in some way, as you well know. But, you know, you hear drivers say, I, y'all got a good reputation out there. Um, y'all are, y'all are, um, you take things seriously. You're firm, you know, you know, um, but, but they, they respect how we operate. And I think that does gravitate a lot of people towards us. And quite honestly, it may send some people away from us, but that's okay. Exactly. That's, that is absolutely okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious as we start a new year, you know, what you're expecting from a recruiting and compliance standpoint? Are you getting a sense that the freight recession is bottomed out at all? Or what's the plan for cargo transporters this year? You know, everybody has opinions. My opinion is that the, the economy is looking in a more positive direction. There's there's a lot of capacity out there, but I'm a firm believer that in 24 and probably 25, there's going to be a reduction in capacity. I think you're going to see more companies uh, consolidate. I think consolidation is going to be a big thing. We're already hearing news stories in the last week or two about some some purchases and consolidations. I think that's going to continue. Um, you know, rates will eventually go up for the carriers when the capacity goes down and, you know, it hasn't been that way recently, but when that turns, 
uh, you know, we'll see some rates, but but there's a lot of capacity out there now. There's there's still a lot of capacity. A lot of that capacity came in during COVID, as you know, but those people are starting to drop out. Some of those owner operators and small companies, you know, they were making good money during a period of time, but now the margins are not as good for them. So they're falling to the wayside. Yeah, I was going to say towards the end of 2023, I saw a chart on freight waves that showed number of new, you know, uh, carriers, new DOT, you know, authority, new DOT numbers added over the years. And it goes back maybe 20 years or so. And it showed this huge jump uh, yes. it, during COVID. And then subsequently, a pretty significant uh, steep, you know, drop off here in the last year and a half or so. Correct. Correct. So, and I think that drop is going to continue. Yes. Yeah. That's the yeah, trend. Yeah. And I think that's what the, uh, that's what the, what the story was, was telling as well. But um, I'm curious now, as a, uh, if you don't mind, we'll jump into the deeper dive question. Now, this is a question that's submitted by a listener. And the question is, do we really have a driver shortage? It seems like it is not as bad now as it was a couple of years ago. Uh, what's your take on, on that? I, I mean, I believe from a net numbers standpoint, yes, that there is a shortage. I, I do believe that. But, but a second layer to that is also the shortage of qualified safe drivers. Um, you know, the word available driver, that's one thing. But if that driver can't pass uh, pre-employment tests and things, I mean, that, that's, that's the second part of this. Um, I think we've really got to, to look at, um, unfortunately, we have, you know, the, the drug use and, and the clearinghouse has done a great job of, of getting those people out of the industry, which is where they need to be, out of the industry. Um, nobody needs to be driving a truck or any vehicle under the inflow, period. Um, but, uh, you, you know, we, we, we have to have people that can pass these tests. Um, and there's a lot of work going on in the industry as well to move forward with like hair testing. Um, I mean, we do it uh, as a pre-employment. Um, do you do that though? Where, I'm just curious. <laughs> I, I would have trouble passing it if I needed to do it. <laughs> um, you know, but, um, uh, it's, it's, it's something that we do, and in all seriousness, it's it's um, the numbers are out there. There's studies out there. You see the the numbers that are caught on the hair studies or on the hair test uh, that we don't employ, and other companies don't employ that, uh, especially working with the alliance. Um, so I think it's twofold. I agree that the num there's a net shortage, yes, but I think the bigger issue is getting the qualified. If all if if we could get the good quality people to the table for the jobs. I believe that's going to close the gap in a huge way. And I think it's going to close it faster than just looking at the sheer number that I referenced earlier. Look, look at the people that have not come back into the industry after getting booted out from the clearinghouse that have not recertified. Yeah, almost all of them, right? A big percentage yeah. of them. So see, the, the people, the drivers are there. They're, they're, they're able to drive a truck. We just need them to get requalified and remain qualified to be able to drive the truck. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, and I think it's it's a, it's a great point and a great take. And I, you know, I recall back in two thousand eight nine when we had that great recession, which I'm, you know, you were around, you remember yeah. those days. I mean, that was yeah. tough. And yeah. and we going into that time, we were talking about a driver shortage. It was the number one issue on Ashley's top ten list year after year. And then all of a sudden, it almost disappeared. But that wasn't because the problem was solved. Nothing fundamentally changed. Instead, it was just because something bigger, you know, there was a big wet blanket thrown over everything, which is, you know, is the economy at the time. And yeah, you and can argue the, the same thing yeah, today. Yeah. And, and the dichotomy of that is that there was a period of time in some of those studies where the carriers would say there's a driver shortage. 
But the drivers were saying, no, no, that's not the big issue. There's no driver shortage. So see, and, 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 and I remember those studies coming out, and especially with Rebecca talking about it and us going over things and seeing them over the years, that was interesting because you had the two different perspectives. As long as the driver's busy and running, he's like, well, yeah, I'm good. There's no shortage. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. We don't need more. You know, don't get so, more. I got loads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, that's a that's an interesting point to to be made real quick on Atri is that that study that comes out every year. There's a perspective of the carriers, uh, you know, those industry stakeholders, and then specifically of drivers. And the the um, the difference between the two it can be you know staggering. And and she always makes the point that if recruiting and retention are one of your top issues, then you should be listening to what matters to them and address those things. And I love what she says that. And you took the words right out of my mouth. I was thinking that exact same thing. We as carriers, we as as the managers of companies, we got to look at what that driver survey said, because that's what they think. And we got and 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 I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying that's their perception, and their perceptions are hundred percent reality. So we need to get into that world and work with that to make everybody happy. Well, Sean, I really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, I appreciate your friendship, your your passion for the industry, and 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 dedication to both cargo transporters and to the uh, the town of Claremont, North Carolina. Thank you so much for joining. City of Claremont, North Carolina. Oh. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you one thing. I, I, I promised my son um, I would give him a shout out. My son, Jackson, he's, uh, he'll be, he's 17 years old. He actually is the first fourth generation member of the Brown family to work at our company. He works, he washes trucks now. He's out in the body shop and the guys are showing him the ropes out there. So he's, he's actually working today over uh, Christmas break. And, and, uh, so Jackson, um, is, is my son and the first fourth generation of the Brown family to work in our company. That's really exciting. That's, I'm sure that's something that you're super proud of and even made cooler by the fact that my son is also named Jackson. Right. And so, right. yeah. So I love that. So, uh, thanks again, Sean. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Jackson. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the High Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. And once again, special thanks to the sponsors of this show. We really appreciate you. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.